Today's message is, is a little bit of a serious message. How many know we live in serious times? Amen? We live in serious times. Every time you turn the news on or, or you go place, you hear stuff. We live in serious times. But since it's a serious message, I want to start out with a couple funny things. Is that all right? Is that okay? You know, the Bible says, a merry heart does good like a medicine. How many know there are times you just need to look at yourself and circumstances just laugh? You know, if things seem to be going all wrong and falling apart, say, devil, <laughs> laugh at him. Get a good laugh. Amen? Am I a little silly today? Well, you know, Pentecost does that to me. <laughs> but a couple funny little things. This one's for the men. These first two are for the men. So men, listen. Laughing at your mistakes lengthens your life. Laughing at your wife's mistake shortens it. <laughs> Women who add a few extra pounds live longer than the men who mention it. <laughs> I, was I was lonely until I glued a cup of coffee to the top of my car. Now everyone waves at me. <laughs> Time-released humor, right? I met a woman outside the mall crying. She had just lost $200. So I gave her $40 from the $200 I had just found. <laughs> when God blesses you, you should be a blessing to others. I thought that was really funny. Amen. <laughs> for a while now, for the last actually couple months, uh, uh, I have really been caught up with what the, the Bible speaks of as times and seasons. Something that's been on my mind and my heart a lot. Uh, how many know that, that the Bible talks a lot about the times and seasons, amen, that we live in? First Chronicles 12:32 speaks of the sons of Issachar. And the, the Bible says that the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times and seasons for the purpose of being able to know what Israel should do. Okay? In the book of Esther, the, uh, the Bible speaks of the king's wise men who understood the times. The king's had wise men around them who understood the times and the season. You see, these people, sons of Issachar and the wise men of the kings, these people knew God and they knew God's word. And because of that, they could see and understand the times and the seasons that they were in, and we should also, we should make sure that we know God and his word because by knowing God and by knowing his word, we come to an understanding of the times and seasons that we live in. Amen? How many of you believe, how many of you believe that the time is coming in which the world as we know it will end? Okay? The time, there are times and seasons that leading up to this, if we truly believe the Bible, we have to believe and understand that there is an end of the days. There is a, a time in which the world as we know it, I say it that way because we really don't, we don't know, we don't have a full understanding of what comes beyond that. 
All we have is faith knowing that we will be with God and nothing else matters, right? But we do know this, that there's a time in which the end of this world is coming. And the Bible speaks specifically about these times and tells us signs. The reason we need to know the word is because God gives us signs of the end of this time. And I want to just share a couple things with you this morning about this because I believe as a church and as people, we need to understand and discern the times and seasons we're in. Now, uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, what we see there and what Jesus speaks of there is the signs that we will see in the world. The world is, is displaying signs right now that, that tell of its ending. Did you hear me? The world is, the Bible, the Bible teaches us that, that the world itself is in all of creation. The world itself is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God and is, and is speaking to us signs that tell us and will confirm to us that it is coming to an end as we know it today. The signs we see in the world is one, deception. Deception is a sign of the end times. Deception means that you will not know who or what to believe. It's why it is so important to understand this, the Word of God. Are you hearing me? It is so important in these times because one of the signs of the end of the world is increase in deception. This, the Word of God, has to become your cornerstone has to become your integrity. You must know the Word of God and be able to stand on it when it comes. Another sign that we see from the world is wars and rumors of wars. We hear that one a lot, right? The Bible says nations rising against nations, kingdoms rising against kingdoms. When you hear of wars and all of the stuff taking place on TV, it is not for us to become fearful. It is for us simply to say, that's confirmation of what the Word says. That's confirmation of what it's telling us. The world, in those wars and rumors of wars, the world is saying, I am coming to an end. It's a sign. Another thing is natural disasters. Natural disasters is the world crying out. All creation groans. It groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. Natural disasters include world hunger and disease. How many of you know we've been seeing the sign of disease? Okay? Disease, storms, earthquakes. These are all the world crying out saying, I am coming to an end. These are signs of my ending. Are you hearing me, church? Then 2 Timothy, Paul, uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, the apostle Paul tells us the, the signs of the end of the world that we will see in people. The world, we see the signs in the world, but we also see the signs in people. And listen to these, the signs that we will see in people. Self-centeredness. Lovers of self boasters without self-control, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's a sign we will see. When we see it, we shouldn't complain, you know, oh my goodness, they're just so self-centered and narcissistic. No, we should stop and say, that's a sign. It's confirming, it's confirming the word of God. Greedy. 
is a sign that we will see. The Bible says people will become lovers of money, unthankful. They will become entitled. Did you hear that, church? Entitlement is a sign of the end of the times. I deserve this. This is, I have a right to this. The government should take care of me. Church, I'm telling you, these are the biblical signs of the end of the times. Prideful, unforgiving, headstrong, haughty. How many know we're dealing with a lot of this stuff today? We're seeing it. Headstrong and un- prideful people, disobedient to God, to parents, people in authority, traitors. That the Bible tells us these things. I'll tell you, I... I, I I know I grew up getting my bottom worn out when I was wrong, when I was bad, right? I know that I wore my kids' bottom out when they were bad, but parents don't do that anymore. And I'll tell you, one reason they do it is because the government tells them they can't. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not talking just about spankings, but what I'm saying is the reason kids are so disobedient to parents is because parents are not the authority in their home anymore. They've relegated it to the government. Are you hearing me, church? These are signs of the end of days. People will become mean-spirited, slanders, brutal to others. Are you hearing me? These are all signs. And Paul concludes with this. Listen to this. Paul concludes in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, he says that people will have a form of godliness, but denying its power. People will have a form of godliness, yet deny its power. Today's Pentecost. Church, let's don't deny the power of God. Let's welcome the power of God. Let's, let's hunger and thirst for the power of God. Are you hearing me, church? I believe, I believe in these last days we've got to stand on the word of God and we've got to proclaim God's power. We've got to speak of God's power. We have to demonstrate God's power. If we don't believe that God can heal, we're denying his power. If we don't believe that God can move, then we're denying its power, church. We've got to believe. You know, some people say, well, that's crazy. I told you this, I think it was this last Wednesday in, in our, in our uh, first Wednesday prayer service. By the way, every one of you need to be at first Wednesday prayer service. Every one of you need to be at prayer on Wednesdays. But I, I told you this, uh, it was either this week or the week before, I told you that I've been praying, uh, I've been praying the, these you know, BHAG prayers. How many know what a BHAG is? Big, hairy, audacious goals. Well, BHAG prayers is big, hairy, audacious prayers. That means prayers that in the natural are completely ridiculous and stupid, but I've been praying those kind of prayers. God will restore me. God will heal me. I'm telling you, church, that's what, we've got to have that kind of faith. Are you hearing me? You've got to have that kind of faith. Remember, miracles are what cannot happen in the natural. It's what only God can do. And if you believe he's the God of miracles, you can believe him that he can do the supernatural. Come on, church. We got to come every week. We got to wake up every day. God, what miracle are you going to do today? I want you to turn to Isaiah 64, 
1. But I want to go back to 2 Timothy as you're turning there. He says that people will have a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now, why would God tell us when we're supposed to go make disciples of all people, why would God say turn away from those people? Because people that deny its power want to destroy your faith. Oh, don't pray. Oh, that's ridiculous to pray that kind of prayer. No, it's not. My God says to pray it. The Word says to pray it. The Word says, I can move mountains with my faith. Oh, that's silly. You can't move. Yes, I can move mountains. Are you hearing me, church? He says, turn away from people that try to douse or put water on your faith. Turn away from them. Amen? So the question Today is not whether or not the world will end. The question I have for you is how will we, how are we to respond when we see the signs and the seasons taking place? How do we respond when we see what's taking place in the world? How do we, how do we respond when we see what we see taking place in people? Isaiah 64, 1, the prophet Isaiah cries out to God, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and that you would come down. This is a call for God's help. Isaiah is calling, God, I need you. I need your help. It's a call for God to show up. It's a passage that has become part of my regular prayer life. I, I pray all the time, Lord, rend the heavens. Tear open the heavens. Rend the heavens and come down right now. Jesus, remember, he says to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's the same prayer. Isaiah was praying that. He says, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. That should be your prayer every day. Lord, tear open the heavens. Come down right now. Thy kingdom come right now in the earth, in this life, as it is in heaven. Bill Johnson is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, authors and, whoops, and uh, as well as speakers. Bill Johnson, no relation. <laughs> I wish, but I love, I love his 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 works. But anyway, I heard him say this last week. The Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author shows up. <laughs> and he says, and I'm so thankful because I read a lot of other books in the bathtub. <laughs> so the question I ask you this morning is how are we to respond? I have three things I want to mention to you. I want to mention to you. How to respond. First is we have to recognize the signs. We have to recognize the signs. The signs Jesus gave, the signs Paul warned of is in Matthew 24 and, and 2 Timothy 3 are not signs that we should look at and be fearful. They're not meant to be fearful, but we must know the truth. 
We must know that they are the signs at the end of the times. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 3, he says, you find it easy. You find it easy enough to forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? People study the weather. We need to study the word to know the signs of the times. Find it really interesting how when they come out with movies, the apocalyptic type movies about the end of the world, people, people flock to them. They pay lots of money to go to them. But all of a sudden, a preacher stands up, a church starts talking about the end of the times, and people roll their eyes. Because deep down inside, most people don't believe that the world is coming to an end. They think of the movie as just entertainment. But hear me, church, this world is coming to an end. It will come to an end. How do we respond? And what Jesus tells us here when he says you find it easy enough to forecast the weather, but you can't read the signs. What he's saying here is that you find it normal to read the signs of the natural world. But what you need to do is, is you need to learn how to receive, to read the signs of what God is doing or what is actually taking place in the spirit in the world. He goes on to say, listen to these words, a wicked generation who seeks signs other than the signs I have already given you. It is a wicked generation who seeks signs other than the signs. What he's saying there is, is I've given you signs, but you ignore them and want other signs. He said that they're a wicked generation that wants signs any other than what I have already given you. So how do we to respond? First is we got to recognize the signs. We have to be knowledgeable. The word has to be our integrity. It has to be our strength. We must know the signs at the end of the times and we must be prepared. The second thing is we must live a repentant life. We must live a repentant life. The dictionary defines repentance as Deep sorrow or regret for wrongdoing. A deep sorrow. But the biblical word for repentance is the Greek word metanoia. And what it means is it speaks of a deep sorrow and regret, but a deep sorrow and regret that leads to change. It is one thing to be regretful. It's one thing to be sorrowful about our sins or our past or things we've done. But the, the biblical word for repentance means that I will change the way I think. God, change my mind. Change the way I think and change the direction I'm going. The word repentance in the, in the Bible, it speaks of going one direction. And repentance means I turn and go the opposite direction. Amen. That's repentance. Yes. We must have a repentant heart. Because every one of us, hear this when I tell you, every one of us are vulnerable to sin. Because we're human. Even the, in, in, in the book of Genesis, it says, it says sin crouches at your door. None of us should be surprised when all of a sudden we say something or do something and we go, wow, where did that come from? Anybody ever done that? Where'd that word come from? Or where, what caused me to, to do that? Sin crouches. Every one of us should know that we are vulnerable to sin. Every one of us. But when we come to that place, 
we stop and say, God, forgive me. How do, God, I know that wasn't you. That was my flesh. I'm going to turn now and go the other way. That's repentance. And every one of you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the authority to make that 180-degree turn to change the way you think. It's not, repentance is not just about finding a place at the altar, although I'm going to tell you that the place at the altar, that place on your knees or your face down before God is a place we all need to come to. But if it doesn't lead to the change of mind and a change in direction, it doesn't do you a bit of good. Psalms 34, 17 says, listen to this, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. I love that all word, right? The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, a broken soul. Living a repentant life means we live broken. Not broken by the world. God put us back together from what the world has done. We live broken before God. We live broken before God. Church, there's a difference. That altar time, that repentance, that change of heart and mind, we live broken before God. It brings us to a place where we recognize I'm a broken person. We recognize that I'm as broken as the next person. If you ever think you're the only person that's broken, you need to open your eyes and see that everybody else around you because we're all broken. God heals us. He puts us back together. But we remain broken before him. It brings us to worship. It brings us to a place of, of thankfulness. Stay broken. Stay repentant. He says, the Lord saves such have a contrite or repentant heart. He saves he saves those that have a broken heart. So how are we to respond, church? First, recognize the signs. Know the signs. Second, live a repentant life. Live a broken and repentant life. Living a repentant life deals with me. It deals with my heart. You are responsible for your heart. No one else is. That person who hurt you 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Five days ago, that person, it's not, you there, your heart is your responsibility. No one can take that away from you. You can change your heart regardless of somebody who hurts you. Living a repentant life deals with me, my salvation, my change, but it doesn't change the world. It changes me. Are you hearing me? So the third thing we do is we must cry out to God for the world he loves so much. We need to deal with it and take responsibility for our own heart. But Jesus told us in John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world might be saved. Can I 
put it to you this way. God did not send his son into the world for you alone. I'm going to tell you, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't come just for Steve. He came for Steve, but he didn't come just, he came for the world. But most Christians, most Christians live their life as if their salvation is all that matters. Did you just hear that? You see, my salvation is not all that matters. There's a world out there. Every place you go, the signs in the people you see. Isaiah 64, I believe is the heart of the Bible. It's the heart of every believer. I believe it was the heart of Christ. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. I believe it's the heart of, of our of our life in Christ. Our prayer should be, God, remove everything out of my way that keeps me from you. Hear me to that, church, because in so many, our money, our activities, our time, even our family and friends, there was no one but him first. Are you hearing me? Jesus prays, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. I want to give you, I want to close here, but I'm going to give you three. The call of, of this message today is for the church to take responsibility as we take responsibility for our own hearts, as we take responsibility for the mission that God has sent us here, the Great Commission. As, as we take responsibility, we as the church, folks, we've got to take responsibility for crying out to God. We've got to take responsibility for crying out to Him. There are three attributes of people who will cry out to God. Three attributes of people who will cry out to God. One is hunger for God. Church, do you have a... Do you have a, a a hunger for God that cannot be, that cannot just be satisfied on one particular day. Our hunger for God, I'm telling you, church, will cause us to cry out to God. Two is a need for God. Do you recognize your utter need for God? Do you recognize the world's need for God? We need to hunger after God. We need to understand, recognize our need for God. The third one is we have to have a dependence on God. Not on your bank account, not just on your doctors and pharmacies and all of these other things. I'm telling you, church, our dependence must be on Him. To the point that we can forsake everything else to place our dependence on Him. I want to tell you, for our church, for our people who will cry out to God, there has to be hunger. There has to be a complete need. And there needs to be a dependence that's on Him and on Him alone. 
See, in these last days, in these last days, say that with me, in these last days, these are the last days. I believe Jesus, I know Jesus is coming, but I believe he's coming sooner rather than later. In fact, every day he's, he's coming sooner. I think most days all of us would cry out, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. Not so we can be taken out and gone, but so that he can establish what he wants to establish in the earth. The calling of the church today, hear me when I tell you this. This is your calling. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. The calling of the church today is to cry out to cry out to God, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet with me this morning. Lift your hands. I want you to consider your heart this morning. Stop and, you know, when we take communion, the Bible tells us to examine our heart. But I want you to examine your heart right now with your hands lifted up and say, do I truly hunger and thirst after him? Do I hunger and thirst after God day in and day out? Do I place all of my need on him? Is he my provider? Is he the one I go to? Do I put all of my dependence on him? Examine your heart. Think of all of the things that we experience, go through, hear about in the world today. And church, right now with me, let's just take these moments and pray this prayer. Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Again, church, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Lord, Rend the heavens and come down.